Hello, and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast in partnership with Ascension. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James, and every week I am joined by two of my dearest friends ever, Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger. What you're going to find is we're three normal women who are on the journey, who laugh, we cry, we have all kinds of adventures, and our heart is to share our love of Christ with you, our friendship, and all the beautiful and broken places that we encounter. So you are most welcome to join us on this journey. Grab a cup of coffee, get settled in, and welcome home. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Abiding Together podcast. And we have arrived after much anticipation of the last few weeks. We are officially, dear friends, beginning our Lenten book study. And uh, Heather's raising the roof right now. So uh, grab your book, Searching for Maintaining Peace uh, by Father Jacques Philippe. We are going to dive into uh, the uh, our first little section today. So that's what we're going to talk about. And we were laughing here before we started to record this because we were all like, I got to hurry and like search and maintain for peace because I have to talk about it. I'm like getting all anxious about it. I'm like, this is like, I, I need to read this book. Has anybody said that? Anyway, Michelle, you're laughing and Heather, you're laughing. <laughs> totally. Let me hustle and get my book study done. <laughs> <laughs> on searching for and maintaining peace. Totally. How's it going, Heather? Oh, good. Here we are, almost Lent. We are the week of Ash Wednesday. And that just seems like it came rather quick, mm-hmm. but I'm glad we're here. Yeah, I'm excited to enter into Lent. I feel like I need a change, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in life. It's like we've mm-hmm. just been kind of like, well, it feels like at a really fast pace since Christmas. And I feel like Lent is a good time to kind of switch things up. So I'm excited about it, actually. I mean, not the fasting part. Who's excited about it? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, I'm excited about it. Michelle, how are you? Yeah, I'm excited too. I like that the liturgical calendar changes Mm -hmm. so that, um, because, you know, I like variety. So that's always a really good thing. And this little book packs a punch. Mm -hmm. But I also want to tell our listeners, even if you didn't read the book, um, the conversations are still very applicable Mm -hmm. to uh, like everyday life and just journeying on the spiritual journey and stuff like that. And really good just reflection on Lent. Like this book is small but mighty. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I was just amazed at just the butt-kicking truths that are in this little book. So let's put it that way. So yeah. I know. It's like every sentence you could highlight for sure. I was like, we could do a half hour on this one, one line right here, you know? Yeah. So good. I'm excited to jump in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But definitely the themes, yeah, definitely the themes we're talking about aren't, you know, you don't have to read the book to understand the podcast because we're just talking about spiritual disciplines and spiritual themes Mm -hmm. and walking the journey with Christ. Mm -hmm. So happy sister how are yeah, you i'm good i actually uh you know had the it, it seems to be an annual thing unfortunately around lent i usually get food poisoning so that did happen that to me so sad <laughs> like what's up with that which as we all know is a horrendously awful experience so i was praying for everybody it just was like it was just miserable and there's just no way i could get around it you had to go through it that's the only way you can do it is just survive like that so i just was offering up to jesus for all of you so there you go <laughs> i was like oh, oh my gosh. man i was felt so bad for you I I was like, oh, I just want to come over and just be with you in it. And then kind of not because oh, it's horrible. Yeah, I know. It's like so <laughs> it's unpleasant. Be you know? It's just, I'm glad I was at home though in my own convent because at least it's not like you're at somebody yeah. else's house. Yeah. You know, you know yeah, how that goes. I don't need to spell sure. the details for our listeners, yeah. but like, yeah. it's just 
pretty awful. Yeah. TMI, TMI. Pretty sis. awful, pretty awful. But here we are. I've resurrected. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I think so. We're going to talk to about the um, prologue today and just kind of Father Jacques Philippe's thoughts about the whole, you know, searching for and maintaining peace. And then uh, chapters one to three in part one. So our title for our, uh, just kind of this episode is battling for peace. And it's very interesting. This like the juxtaposition even of that. But I know for myself, when I was looking through this and it talks about, um, he talks about, we you know, frequently we're, our, our search for God, for saintliness and our efforts to love and serve our neighbors. This is from the preface is are also frequently fraught with agitation and anxiety instead of being full of confidence and peace. And then for me, the whole key line of this, which is really going to guide our whole Lenten journey, which is what guides Jesus in the desert. So the G the Holy spirit brings Jesus out into the desert. Um, and the end near the end of the preface, when he says, because then the heart allows itself to be driven by the Holy spirit and God is able to do more with it by his grace than the heart could do by its own efforts. Mm. So let's just all surrender our hearts right now to the Holy spirit and just okay, see done. what the Holy spirit does this Lent. Um, yeah. Cause that's going to be our, this is not going to be us trying harder, so to speak. It's going to be us surrendering our hearts and yielding our hearts to the power of the Holy spirit who will bring us into deeper places. Because as Jesus says in the gospel of John chapter 15, where he says, without me, you can do nothing. Mm -hmm. So Heather, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think it's exactly like how we were joking around at the beginning that, oh, I got to hustle and read my book about maintaining <laughs> peace. But it also is be often, peaceful about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's often how we how we maneuver our things like, oh, OK, this peace of heart means I have to do more. I have to I have to figure this out. I have to jump through all these hoops. I have to incorporate all these practices. I have to do, 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 do. And and I think what he's saying here is that it's in the recognition that we can ab absolutely do nothing. Mm. Uh, where the interior peace comes because of our, when we surrender and fully depend on God, that's when we're able to be at peace because we realize, wow, I really can't do this on my own. Mm -hmm. This is not how I was made. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like just to part from me, you can do nothing. And I like really had to break it down. Like he's saying, no, nothing. I mean, like absolutely nothing apart from me, like you can't do anything yeah. and you still think you can. Mm -hmm. And as much as I confess, like, oh, I'm abiding or, oh, I, you know, I trust you, Lord, you can do the impossible. Oh, I'm surrendering this. Um, really? Do I? I mean, in my posture and the way I relate to the Lord and how I surrender, like, really? Do I believe apart from um, him, I can do nothing? And I love how Father Jacques Philippe says, usually we have to experience failures, trials, and humiliations permitted by God <sighs> before this truth imposes itself on us. Um, you know, it says mm -hmm. not only on an intellectual level, but as an experience of our entire being, you know, and I just always like, Lord, humble me, but just don't humiliate me. Come on, Lord, you know, for me to learn these <laughs> lessons. Like, it's just not that. Mm -hmm. But it's so true. Like, I mean, I feel like I'm just in a season now, like where I'm powerless over some situations. And why is it that it always that I have to get powerless to realize that um, I'm not surrendering it to him mm -hmm. for him to come into those situations or for, for me to allow God to be God in those situations. And like I've said before on the podcast and me not be Holy Spirit Jr. That mm -hmm. um, I just have to keep on reminding myself that I am not the savior of the world. Mm -hmm. He is. And he is constantly putting me in situations to remind me of that absolute truth and mm -hmm. reality. So yeah, that's where I'm coming from. Well, I think that's very true. And I, you know, I, I think also, you know, we talk about God not like not directly humiliating us, so to speak, because God is God speaks of love, but I, it's very evident to us. I think that's the 
many times the natural outcome of when we try to depend on ourselves or try to make things happen the way we want. C.S. Lewis in his beautiful sermon, The Way of Glory, says that idols will always break our hearts, mm. right? So when we have idols uh, or when our, we ourselves are an idol, other people or events or things like that, or circumstances or idols that we grasp on, that we, you know, we, we cling on to, that we have to have this or it has to go a certain way for me to be okay, those things inevitably shatter. And they do lead, you know, to humiliations and, um, you know, they really to failures and it requires us to kind of go back and say, well, what is my house built on? Cause I really believe, you know, as Christ speaks this over his disciples, you know, I, and I think Heather, you talk about this a lot. And I think Jake does to your husband where, you know, he talks about how the, the, like we assign a tone of voice to Jesus or we assign a tone of voice to God when we read the scriptures. And it's not him saying, look, you know, you better appreciate me because without me, you can do nothing. It's not like that. You know, it's, it's a voice of a lover inviting us into deeper intimacy with him saying, I'm your home and this is where you belong. And I want to, I want to safeguard you from, from heartache and sorrow and sin and brokenness. Cause that's not who you are. So if you come here to me, what you're going to find is you're going to find the abundant life. And that's what I want you to live mm-hmm. so that when we abide, the natural outcome of that, even in the suffering is joy, is peace, is uh, the ability to walk through things and to be in constant communication with God versus setting up idols that will inevitably break us. And, and what they do is they ultimately humiliate us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a great point like that. Um, God isn't the one who, who causes us harm, who causes us suffering, who is trying to teach us a lesson through harming us in some way. Mm-hmm. Rather, the way that I viewed it is that sometimes he allows me to experience the result of my choices, oh, absolutely. the result of my self-reliance, yeah. the result, like he allows it to happen so that he can, I can turn to him again. You know, it's like an opportunity for mercy and grace in my life. I think mostly my children have taught me so much about the heart of God and about my own self. You know, Mm. I remember being on vacation somewhere and there was a pool and my littlest Eva, she was maybe six months old, eight months old, something like that. But she was refusing to wear a life jacket in the pool. Mm. Like would, I mean, freak out, arch her back, like just throw a complete fit. So she wouldn't have it and didn't want me to hold her simultaneously. Mm. And I was like, Eva, you can't swim like you can't do this without me like we're in the pool together like I'm gonna have to hold you and do this with Mm. you um and similarly I feel like that's me in my life where I'm trying to say God just let me do this you know and maybe not even consciously Mm -hmm. but I'm acting that way like I'm gonna just do all of this stuff myself and he's like honey you can't (laughs) like you actually you're gonna drown oh yes and and die like and so there's just something very loving it's not actually restrictive Mm -hmm. that God's trying to have me Mm -hmm. wear a life jacket sometimes Mm -hmm. in life you know yeah michelle what are your thoughts about that yeah and i think when you realize that like you um accept your littleness and not in like a self-deprecation way but you're um Mm -hmm. you know accept your littleness but you understand his greatness you know and like i always like to say it's like Mm -hmm. little old me but it's big old him and realizing that he mm-hmm. is the one that is all powerful. And, you know, right now I'm just kind of like, okay, I just had an hour long spiritual direction and went straight to recording. So I'm like so raw and open. Mm-hmm. And it was like this really powerful mm-hmm. spiritual direction, um, time and season. And that was one of the things like my whole self-reliance on myself 
And so, and not on my reliance on the Lord and like practically, how do I surrender? Like we like to throw in my spiritual director made the great comment. He said, you know, surrender isn't a lofty idea. It's an action that you have to do in the moment, Michelle. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not like, oh yeah, I'll surrender myself to the Lord. It's an action that you have to do in the Mm -hmm. moment. Like, Lord, I'm giving this to you right now and see what he does and make him a reality in our everyday life. Mm I love the question, simple question that he asks, where he says, how can I let Jesus act in me? How, how can I do that? You know, mm-hmm. like, hmm, this is interesting. It's so simple, but often we don't pause long enough to ask ourselves these questions. Like, mm-hmm. is Jesus acting in me? What are the stumbling blocks that are making it so that he can't act in me? Mm-hmm. And when I interact with someone or when I'm getting something done, is Jesus really acting in mm-hmm. me, you know, or not? And what is that? You know, we're, we don't often take time to dissect our spiritual life and go, what is going wrong here? Like, mm-hmm. where, where am I going the wrong way and need mm-hmm. to turn back to the Lord and to his incredible mercy so that I can become fully alive? We just keep going ahead. We just keep pressing in, you know, and things are kind of falling apart or it's like wheels on a car that are, you know, one of your tires are flat and you're still trying to drive the car. And I I think Lent is such a beautiful opportunity to pause and say, what's not working here Mm -hmm. for me, for Mm -hmm. me, or what's not working for everybody else around me? (laughs) How's that working for you? I don't know. It's not, it's not Lord. Exactly. Well, and that's exactly what Lent does. And, you know, Jesus calls us into the desert with him, you know, impelled by the Holy Spirit to look at the landscape of our soul. And that's one beautiful image that Father Jacques Philippe gives here about the lake, you know, and that when the the lake is calm, the sun can be seen on the surface of the the lake when it's peaceful and tranquil. When the lake is agitated, it can't be reflected upon it. And so he's talking about that, like the more our, our souls remain in peace and remain tranquil. And then he talks about how the Holy Spirit is a spirit of peace and that the God is always speaking to us in the area of peace, that he's not a spirit of, he says, uh, he's not in the spirit of disquietude, agitation, or excessive hurry, which is often uh, too, which is too often the case for us. But the Holy Spirit's always speaking to us in the d- in the deep places, like in the first book of Kings, He talks about the whisper of a gentle breeze, and how God speaks to us in those quiet places. And and for us to be able to hear God that way on an ongoing basis, it really requires us, like He says, to search for and to maintain, you know, through the gift of the Holy Spirit and cooperation with the Holy Spirit, the gift of interior peace. And then it can hear God, because if I if my if this my soul is agitated, which we, we all experience at those times, you know, we've ever been triggered so deeply that you can't even see kind of what the situation is going on in front of you. You know, all of us have to take a step back and say, okay, what's happening? You know, what's going on? Holy Spirit, come speak to me. And then he goes right in there from inner interior peace to apostolic fruitfulness. So if we want to, um, to become fruitful, it has, requires us to become one with the beloved, which in order to do that, we have to be able to hear him speak to us. And so he speaks to us in the quiet places. And he says like, how do I communicate this peace to others if I myself don't have it? And I'm like, oh, amen, brother. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. We're working on it. We're trying. Yeah. He says, you know, God is a God of peace. He does not speak and does not operate except in peace, mm-hmm. not in trouble and agitation. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to say that um, we try to resolve a lot of things on our own and it, there's like a lot of disturbance and, you know, all of that. And he said when it would be more efficacious to remain peacefully before the gaze of God oh, so and allow him to act and work mm-hmm. in us mm-hmm. with his wisdom and power, mm-hmm. which are infinitely superior to ours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so funny. It like it doesn't even make logical sense. Like, why would we be trying to operate on like five cents in a bank account when we have 
the eternal wealth of God mm-hmm. <laughs> at our fingertips, you know, um, because we are his children. We are his adopted sons and daughters and everything that he has, we have access to, you know, that's mm-hmm. what he's promised. That's what he says. That's what the scriptures say. And yet very rarely do we access that. Like it doesn't make logical sense. Does it? Mm-hmm. We think about it that way. It doesn't. I love what he says, acquiring and maintaining interior peace, which is impossible without prayer, should consequently be considered a priority for everybody, above all for those who claim to want to do good for their neighbor. Otherwise, more often than not, they would simply be communicating their own restlessness and distress, which this quote like totally stood out to me from the second chapter um, because I was talking to this young um, friar and we were talking about the justice movement and racial reconciliation. And we were talking about, you know, immigration and all these things. And we were talking about the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers. So an older friar posed this question and said, can you be a peacemaker without having peace in yourself Mm. first? Mm. Which I thought, though, because the I mean, this is what he's saying, like those that are, you know, we want we want to fight for justice. We want to fight for, you know, things that are not right and restore God's proper order and shalom. Like he uses us to co-create with him to bring peace on the earth. But we have to be at peace first. And if not, we are just, um, you know, breeding discord or restlessness Mm -hmm. and distress. Like we're making the situation worse instead of making it better by bringing peace. And so we have to have that interior peace of the Lord first and foremost, you know, to be true peacemakers, to bring shalom into the world and other things. And it just totally stood out to me. Like, I think that's the beauty of Father Jacques Philippe's writing is it is so simple yet. Oh my gosh, it is so profound. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, whoa, you could just sit, like we said, any line you could sit with and meditate on forever and pray with. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just beautifulness. Yeah. Like everything we're talking about is in the first six pages. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) We're five pages. We're like, what? Like I started reading it and honestly, I had to read certain like paragraphs three times. Just go, wow, there's a lot here. Like, don't miss this, Heather. Don't miss it. It's deep. It's deep. Like, don't just skim over it. That's true. And I think anybody, if you just look in your life, if you just kind of look interiorly, you can see the difference in the fruit in yourself when you make decisions or you live life out of anxiety and fear and haste versus peace and tranquility. I've never in my life, I can honestly say, I've never in my life regretted waiting before I speak or just kind of holding back before I make a decision and really asking the Holy Spirit and praying about it and making it in peace. I've usually always regretted acting in haste or like, you know, running around being anxious, you know, when we make decisions like that. And it's just, and even, or if you think about the wisest people that, you know, people that you really can see grace and beauty and wisdom in, those are people that have still waters in their soul. And they might be fiery of temperament, maybe they're choleric mm-hmm. in temperament, but you see that that the fire comes from a stillness of being with God. And we admire that. We admire it inherently because we know there's an excellence to it. And so in order to, and that's, that's acquired, you know, not just one time that is acquired. Like, you know, Michelle was talking about the, the daily surrender of when I have those opportunities that can disturb my peace, or I find myself triggered, or I find myself just in places where I could worry to really go back to the Lord and say, okay, what's happening here? You know, give me it and to turn to the spirit of peace and Jesus, the Prince of peace and said, I need you here. Like, can you please <laughs> teach me what I'm supposed to do? Because he talks about peace and spiritual combat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he uh, quotes um, St. Catherine of Siena when he says, without war, there is no peace. And without combat, there is no victory. And so he's talking about the interior spiritual growth 
right? The interior where the battle rages within, and that's the most important battle that we'll ever face is the one within. When we face the one within, we can face the one without. Mm -hmm. But if I'm not tending to the my fire within my own soul, how can I really attend well, as you both have said, to the fires and other other people's mm-hmm. souls are in the world. How can I really respond appropriately if I'm not in tune to what God is doing in the, in the landscape of mm-hmm. my own soul? Yeah. As I've journeyed into, you know, my own heart over the last several years in this specific area of, of recognizing where my weaknesses lie. And, uh, it's a process for me of, of not hiding them and not pushing them away all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I'm starting to embrace them rather than fight with them and push them, like constantly pushing against my weakness. Mm. I'm beginning to embrace them, not as in like, oh, I accept my weaknesses. This is just who I am and everybody else get over it. You know, this is my excuse for all Mm -hmm. all of my failings, but rather to embrace them uh, in, in an act of surrender to God. Like, God, these are my weaknesses. Like I have to come to grips with it. And these are what helped me to make, make myself aware that I really, really need you. I deeply, deeply need you. And as a result of that, what I always thought was that if I truly look at my weaknesses, I'll just be crushed by it. You know, I'll feel like I can't do anything. I'll feel miserable about myself. Like it was a constant, like, no, I have to overcome my weakness. I have to push against it um, and try harder. And I've realized that, wow, the freedom and peace that comes in just resting Mm-hmm. in in the knowledge that I can't I can't do it mm-hmm. and, and that's actually perfect because I'm not made to do it you know on my own I, this isn't what I'm made for um, and there's been so many people who have come to me and they'll be telling me you know hard parts of their story and they're like you know my fear is that I just can't do it and I'm like hey let me let you off the hook you can't <laughs> you can't I mean don't even I mean it, doesn't that make you feel better you can't Mm-hmm. You know, so what's the next thing in you can't, you know, but God can. And those sound like trite remarks sometimes, like just off the cuff. They're like, oh, yeah, God can, you know, whatever. <laughs> no, it's really true mm-hmm. because he really is who he says he is. And he really is powerful and he really has won the battle and he really loves us and he really wants to offer us everything that he has. And he wants his strength to be in us. And the power that raised Christ from the dead is living in us. And all of these things that are actually true, like this isn't just just Preach, girl. Come ridiculous on. stories yeah. that we tell ourselves, you know, to try to accept things that are hard. That's what an atheist would say about us. That's just, that's not true. Mm-hmm. The truth is that God is really, really awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he really is. Mm-hmm. And so because he is, we can rest in our weakness mm-hmm. with him. Yeah. I was telling the girls right before we got on that I, um, has spiritual direction. It was really good and really powerful and uh, just, you know, really one of the soul stirring ones. And mm-hmm. I was telling uh, my spiritual director that just about a lot of different situations that are going on with kids and different things. And he said, so what, how does that make you feel? I said, it makes me feel overwhelmed, like that life is too much. And he goes, okay, um, that's a lie. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a lie that, and he said, is life too much for you or is life too much for the Lord? Mm -hmm. just that one question that like gutted me, you know, and I was telling them, I just fell apart when he asked me and cause he asked me like, and my spiritual director is great, but he has such the voice of the father. He asks in such a loving way, you know, his, his, Mm -hmm. like just even his tone of voice is life too much for the Lord. No, it's not too much for him. 
you know, but the lie I'm believing is, oh yeah, it's way too much, you know, because I am not surrendering. Mm -hmm. I forget that he's victorious. I forget that there's power and I forget, and we've said this a couple of times on the podcast that I forget that I'm in a war, you know, that I just think that sometimes it's just walking through wildflowers or I want it to be walking through wildflowers and that I don't want to have to fight for my freedom. Sometimes I just want to be comfortable and not have to pick up my sword Mm -hmm. and pick up my shield and put on the armor of God. Or I forget that I'm fighting principalities and spirits and not people, or I forget all these things. And it doesn't matter how long or how many years you've been walking with the Lord. Sometimes we have spiritual amnesia and we Mm -hmm. forget the roadmap back to the father's arms, Mm -hmm. or we forget the sound of his voice, the sound of the shepherd's voice. And we're listening to the sound of the accuser's voice. And, you know, like it doesn't matter. And you just need those constant reminders saying he is victorious. He is good. And like we were saying before, he speaks in the voice of a shepherd never accusing, Mm -hmm. always confirming, affirming who you are and who he is on this journey back to his arms Mm -hmm. and back to home. And amen, Michelle. And that's exactly Mm -hmm. what he says Mm -hmm. at the end of chapter three there. He quotes St. Paul and he says, my grace is enough for you for my power manifest itself in your weakness. And his principal weapon is not a natural firmness of character or human ability, but faith. This total adhesion to Christ, which permits him, even in the worst moments, to abandon himself with a blind confidence in the one who cannot abandon him. And there's such a profound uh, wisdom in that. I, you know, we know uh, Heather and I have a very good friend, Father Justin, and Father Justin will often say, no matter what you're facing in your life, whether it's you know something that happens to you unbidden or whether it's something you did on your own, he said, all of it can be offered to the Lord. He said, don't wrestle with yourself of saying, oh, did I do that? Or is that come from Satan? Or he's like, okay. He's like, in your life, things are being permitted to happen, whether it's your own (laughs) weakness or your own like stupidity sometimes or whatever is happening. He said, it can all, it's all surrendered to the Lord. And then he said, when you surrender to the Lord, it takes out of the enemy's hands. Mm -hmm. It takes out of your hands. So he said, could we not at every moment just surrender everything to Mm -hmm. the Lord and just see what he does with it? You know, it's the... The def, you know, it's really the, the difference between trying to figure it out on my own versus sitting with the God, the Father, and opening my hands to Him and presenting these things to Him, saying, "Can you please help me understand this? Like, can, please tell me what to do here because I don't know. I don't know." And there's such a difference even in spirit when we mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, that's why I'm a big believer in the declaration. You know, like saying things out loud, saying saying our prayers of surrender out loud, because it's like, we also need to hear it. You know, we need to hear it. Our Mm -hmm. soul needs to hear it. I love that practice in the Psalms, like where we hear David going, awake my soul. Like, and he, and he reminds (laughs) himself, remember my soul, like all of these things, the goodness of the Lord and all of that. And Mm -hmm. I think we need to incorporate these spiritual disciplines into our life Mm -hmm. where, where we are speaking the truth. So, you know, as father Justin says that to to me and to you, sister, like I've often thought, yeah, okay. So God, if you're allowing this situation to happen, then I accept it. And I will, I will gladly suffer for you because you have suffered so much for me, like for whatever you want, you know, that I will do that. And, and if it's not you, Lord, if it really is the enemy, well, then I too want to give you praise anyway, because Mm -hmm. then it gives the enemy no room, zero room to, to do anything to me with that. It just rips the carpet right from out from under him. Mm -hmm. He can't do anything. The enemy only has power if we give it to him. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he has no power in our lives. God mm-hmm. has the power. You know, mm-hmm. the enemy isn't just as powerful as God. That's that's mm-hmm. ridiculous. That is completely ridiculous. So it's only the power that we give him. You know, if I make an agreement with a lie from the enemy or I, you know, focus so much on my weakness that I forget who God is and I, I start to believe the enemy that God is not going to be who he says he is and isn't going to fight for me. 
then that almost creates like a little space in my heart for the enemy to reside that becomes a haven for him. And then he wreaks havoc there. Mm-hmm. But if I don't do that, if I don't give him room, if I take ground back by just offering things as sacrifice and praising God in my sorrow and in my weakness, there's nothing he can do there. He has Amen. no ground. I love this uh, part on page nine where Father Jacques says, every Christian must be thoroughly convinced that his spiritual life can in no way be viewed as the quiet unfolding of an inconsequential life without any problems. Rather, it must be viewed as a scene of a constant and sometimes painful battle, (laughs) which will not end until death, a struggle against evil temptation and the sin that is in him. This combat is inevitable, but it is to be understood as an extremely positive reality. Because as St. Catherine of Siena says, without war, there is no peace. Mm -hmm. So even in the war, like God isn't just wanting us to suffer. It's so that we will gain peace. You know, there's a gift. There's always a gift on the other side of pain. There's always Mm -hmm. resurrection on the other side of death. That's just what God does. He's Mm -hmm. so awesome. Like he never just leaves us in the pain and sorrow and death. It's not Mm -hmm. who he is. And I love when he says Mm -hmm. this combat is the definite place of our transfiguration and glorification. And we were just talking about, Mm -hmm. um, in spiritual direction, we were just talking about, okay, what is that lie you need to believe? And, um, Uh, Father Nathan said again, he said, um, our spiritual life doesn't happen in the moments where we're having our prayer in the morning or the evening. He said, spiritual growth happens in the moment, Michelle. So he said, when you're feeling this way or you're feeling oppressed like that, you speak the truth in the moment. Don't wait. Like you actually goes, you actually speak it out loud. You know, like his grace is, you know, made sufficient in weakness. He is powerful. And like we were talking about that power of declaration, we speak it in the moment. And it's in those moments where we see grace come in that is the growth in spiritual life. That is how we change. That's how we become transfigured. That is how we uh, grow from glory to glory, like it tells us in scriptures. And mm-hmm. that is beautiful. You know, that is where we can see ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so like, as we are attempting Lent, you know, how is the Lord wanting us to get in the war, you know, of our own heads usually? And how does he want to transform us from glory to glory? Like, what does that look like? You know, how can we speak truth into those moments of doubt or fear or overwhelm or whatever anxiety, whatever you're struggling with? What is the truth that you can speak into that moment? Like have a scripture armed and ready for you, you know, just pick like we laugh about one thing, but just pick one area this Lent, your one thing that you can speak truth in and have that Mm -hmm. scripture ready to go. Like if you have to write it on a three by five card, put it in your pocket or better yet your phone. Cause you know, mm-hmm. you'll have your phone with you. So you put that scripture in your phone on a screensaver so you can pull it out and speak it and declare it out. Mm-hmm. And so, so that we can see growth mm-hmm. and we can see transfiguration, in our own spiritual life. This Lent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really good. That's great advice. Yeah. And I just, uh, I guess one thing I want to say is that, um, you know, peace that we're, the peace that we're talking about here is not a, a it's not ultimately a feeling, you know, it does it manifest itself in the feelings, but peace is actually a fruit of the Holy spirit. It's fruit of life of the Holy spirit. And the word peace, the shalom at the deepest level is not just an absence of war. It's actually, um, the correct term would be a rightly restored relationship. So when our relationships are restored rightly, that's where Christ is always coming to his apostles first. He's seeking them out and he's wishing them peace. He's speaking to them of a rightly ordered relationship with him. So as our relationship with him is rightly ordered, it's, it's, that's the byproduct of a life with Christ is, is 
is peace, right? Is that the deep abiding, like the deep sense of abiding that no matter what is happening, that I belong. And this is that I'm loved. And this is where I am. Like, this is where God has me in the depths of his heart. So I think that's true too. We're not, we're not speaking of perhaps a shallow version of peace of merely just a feeling, but something Mm -hmm. that goes much deeper than that, which it just is, is the byproduct of of a life of abiding. It's, it's naturally, Mm -hmm. it's peace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the questions that's come to my mind is, you know, what is taking me away from the gaze of God? Amen. Like what is distracting me from staying in the gaze of God uh, this Lent? Like, what is it? Mm-hmm. Is it my phone? Is it social media? Is it uh, comfort? Is it like, what is it yeah. that keeps stealing my eyes away mm-hmm. from his gaze? Because the truth is that he is al- always gazing upon us. His eyes are always mm-hmm. lovingly looking upon us, not staring at us, not glaring at us. You know, he's not watching us with suspicion like, oh, when is she going to screw up again? You know, it's a gaze of pure love. And why would we not want to stay in that gaze? You know, so that is a question that I will be asking myself as I uh, begin Lent and come into Ash Wednesday. And that's going to affect what I give up or, or what I do, what I commit to, you know, this Lent. So... I think that's very important what you both just said. So I get to reiterate that for our listeners, because I think that's just pure gold about, you know, what is the one area of your life? So just choose one thing. It's very easy to get overwhelmed and let it be like, okay, do this and this and this. And by like next, then the week after that, we've forgotten everything and we're frustrated. And that's Satan loves to push us out of those, you know, areas of grace. So let's just do one thing. How about just choose one thing? Like that. So, you know, choose one area, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Like, what's the one area that the Lord really wants to minister to you in? And perhaps it's an area that you struggle with peace in, where that's just an area that seems overwhelming or or anxiety ridden. Like, what is that? And then also, you know, what is the one thing that keeps us from staying in the Father's gaze? Those are great questions to ask. And those are things we can go back to, write them down and go back to daily throughout the day, every day and see the transformation that takes place. Um, As you're saying that both, I can think of both. I can think of areas right now. I'm like, that's so, that's so good because in Lent, we don't do things just to do things. Mm -hmm. Lent really actually heals us in body, soul, and spirit, heals our relationships with God, ourselves and others. So it's actually healing season, right? Where God brings us back into, to who we truly are is abiding with him Mm -hmm. and in him. Mm -hmm. So... Amen. Any last thoughts, ladies? I know this is deep. Like any last thoughts before we go to our one thing? Besides the one thing that you just gave, because those were awesome. (laughs) (laughs) No. Girl, I got nothing. (laughs) No, we're good. If we don't stop now, we're going to talk for another half hour. So we better wrap it up. Yeah. So, um... All right. Yeah. So on that note, as we kind of like, we're all pondering, we're all very deeply pondering right now. So let's talk about our, as Ash Wednesday comes near and this season of Lent comes near, right? What is, uh, anybody want to offer one thing? I can go first if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Go first. I, I don't know if I talked about this before. I can't remember, but if I did, I'm old. Pardon me. Okay. So sometimes I repeat myself. Um, I came across last year, somebody sent me the version of the Stations of the Cross by St. Faustina and they are so beautiful, so beautiful. Mm. So, um, I, I, I love them there. I mean, within the traditional, um, practice of the stage of the cross, but her, the, the reflections come from her diary about trusting in Jesus. And they're so incredibly beautiful. So that is something that I'm going to take with me and not just on Fridays during Lent, but take with me very often during the season of Lent is the stages of the cross. So journey with Jesus, but her meditation, St. Faustina, divine mercy, her meditations on the, um, on the road to Calvary are just absolutely gorgeous. So is it in her diary or was it in? It's, it's in a separate book. The, the quotations for the meditations for each station come from her diary. 
Okay. Which are really beautiful. So, um, I'm, I'm looking at my book right now and I'm going to find it on Amazon and just put that link up there. So if you're interested or find it from the shrine, I think it's the shrine of divine mercy back East, but you could probably Google them as as well, but, uh, they're just beautiful. So I just want to offer that uh, to our listeners if they want to do the stations, but also perhaps have a meditation from um, her diary of divine mercy. So, Oh, I love that. A book I haven't read. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little one too. It's got the other half of St. Alphonsus Ligorino. So they're great. That's awesome. Michelle, what's your one thing? My one thing is also a book, but it's someone that someone gave me and it's the contemplative rosary with St. John Paul II and Teresa of Avila. And I am loving this. It is just different meditations from them on the power of the rosary and the meditations to go along while you're praying the rosary. And both of them are, you know, just two of my favorites. And it's just been beautiful to read through and pray with and be really reflective of how they, you know, see Mary and see Jesus. And so it's great. And it's the contemplative rosary. I think it's by Dan Burke. I'll put the link in. So Mm. two good books. What about you, Heather? Well, this last weekend, uh, you and I, Michelle, were yeah. had the pleasure of being in Phoenix, Arizona at the Blessed Is She Shine retreat. And it was uh, such a joy to be there. Such a joy to see the ministry of Blessed Is She. If you haven't, dear listeners, checked out Blessed Is She, please do that. And they have um, awesome daily reflections that they'll send to you um, in your email and they have a whole bunch of other things, but they have retreats all over the country this year that you can partake in if they're coming to your area. And it was fabulous. It was really amazing. amazing. They did a good job. It was beautiful. It was powerful. I just love being there. But what I really loved happened after the retreat, uh, Beth Davis from Blessed Is She said, Heather, I have a surprise for you. And she took me to St. Tim's Parish, which I'd been to many years ago. And we walked past a little bookstore and she opens up a door and we walk in and there is this room full of 80, almost all of them were first class relics of saints. No way. And, I, and they were, they looked like they were in a little tiny monstrance. That's mm. what they were just set up mm. all over in these glass yeah. cases. And I was like, what? And I start looking and it was like St. Francis of Assisi, St. Catherine of Siena, St. Therese, uh, St. John Bosco. It was at St. Bernard of Clairvaux, it was everyone. And I'm just literally, my mouth is open and I'm walking by all of these amazing saints. And then we kind of turn the corner and she goes, Heather, the 12 apostles. And just, I, I was like, what? St. John, St. Peter. I was like, what is going on? And why is this not mm-hmm. packed? We were the only mm-hmm. people in there. Did you hear like theme music in the background behind you? Like you know, just powerful <laughs> epic music. <laughs> The Rocky music comes on. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And then I sat down, there's a little kneeler and I just knelt down right in front of the relic of St. Paul and I just cried. And I just, as I prayed there, I was like, I felt like I was standing on the shoulders of giants. I was like, oh my gosh, like this was, it was just like a tangible, uh, powerful moment. You know, I think we have this at our fingertips all the time, you know, for all of us and we have a wonderful communion of the saints and we don't often it doesn't often register right it was just like that room was empty people were walking by it like it was no big deal isn't that mm-hmm. even more true you know with the blessed sacrament there in every mm-hmm. church waiting for us at all times so anyway it was just a beautiful unexpected encounter awesome that's amazing it was it really was mm-hmm. That is beautiful indeed. Yes, we do have a rich family of a family, mm-hmm. don't we? We have a rich family that's mm-hmm. with us. And so 
Uh, we embark this Lenten journey, my dear friends, not alone, but with a, big, a rich fellowship. So we uh, just wish you every good thing this Lent and just pray that the Holy Spirit speaks deeply to you. And if you haven't joined us on our study, you can. It's Father Jacques Philippe's book, uh, Searching for and Maintaining Peace. And you can join us each week. Even if you don't want to read it, you can join us each week. You're most welcome. And we would love to journey with you and, and hear your heart and thoughts as well. You can reach out to us on Facebook, and there's many other ways you can do that too. So... Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? You can leave us a rating, leave us a review on iTunes. That helps us get the message out to as many people as possible. If you would like the show notes emailed to you, you can go to ascensionpress.com forward slash abiding together. That's ascensionpress.com forward slash abiding together and enter your email address, click the subscribe button and the show notes will be on their way to you every week. You can also find the show notes on the Ascension Press website, as well as each episode on the iTunes podcast app. You'll find everything there. You can join our private Facebook group and join our community and just get in on everything that's going on. We love to hear from you. Send us an email, give us a shout out. We are happy to be on the journey with you. And until next week, we will be abiding together. Thank you so much.